buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. Today, I've got a fantastic guest for you. I'm going to be talking with Michael Hansen. He is the CEO founder over at Growth Genie, a consultancy that empowers B2B sales teams to have better conversations through playbooks, cadences, training, and coaching. Before starting Growth Genie, Michael helped scale CloudTask from 10 to 200 employees in three years. Michael is based out of London, but has lived in Colombia, Spain, Germany, and South Africa. Michael, welcome to Sales Transformation. How are you? I'm great. Thanks a lot for inviting me on the show, Colin. Looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Uh, I have to admit that's the first time I read your bio. I didn't know that you uh, helped uh, Amir scale uh, CloudTask. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of uh, worked very closely with Amir for uh, for a few years. Um, yeah, learned learned a lot in those three years, which definitely helped me a lot with Growth Genie. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So just tell everybody kind of the your story here. Like, where did it all start? When did you get into sales and the work that you're doing? Yeah, sure. So um, the old company I used to work with, CloudTask, which sounds like you know, Colin, they essentially do like outsource sales services and predominantly outsource SDR, business development services. Um, one of the things I noticed, not just with CloudTask, but with like a lot of software companies in general, is for me, we give the hardest skill in sales, or not even just sales, one of the hardest skills in business to someone who's got no business experience. They've just recently graduated from university and we throw them yeah. on the front line and kind of expect them to perform miracles. And it happens a lot yeah. with software companies. So I essentially saw a big gap in the market where it comes to sales enablement and training and coaching, but specifically for SDRs. Um, and that's why I set up Growth Genie essentially to provide that and provide kind of repeatable, scalable processes, which is on two sides. One is on the playbooks and cadences and messaging that SDRs can use. And then also like from a training and co- coaching perspective where we, we coach SDRs. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much my, my story when it comes to sales. And so what were you doing before CloudTask? Before CloudTask, I had a mixture of uh, content marketing and account management roles. So my first sales role was actually an account management role. So I was managing accounts and then also doing renewals and and upsells. Um, then I worked in content marketing and marketing. So I was working with um, with SDR teams um, and then yeah, got got involved uh, in CloudTask. I'm it's it's funny because some people see me as a salesperson, other people see me as marketing, which I think says a lot about SDR. 
SDRs in general because I'm known for SDRs and often yeah. they're putting them in marketing, often they're putting them in sales. But we're, yeah. we're very much about the approach of actually the way we do outbound is almost like inbound because we never ask for a meeting on the first like email or LinkedIn or call. We're actually asking them if they're interested in a piece of content. And normally that piece of content is very related to the business anyway. So it become, then becomes quite easy to book a meeting. Yeah, I love that. Um, I had a sneaking suspicion that you had some some marketing experience because, I mean, people who have marketing experience and understand the sales side of the coin um, can be very, uh, very, very, very successful in you know growth and and things like that because understanding both parts are so important regardless of what department you're in, like marketing, understanding, you know, how to best support sales and what they need and, and, and vice versa is so crucial in today. Like sellers have to be great marketers, right? And then there's the whole debate, like where should the SDRs even report? And we could get into that, but it'd be no fun. People would probably yeah. stop listening, but because <laughs> they've heard it too many times. But um, so, okay. Interesting. Okay. So let's dig into that a little bit. I want to oh, tell me a little bit, like, give me an example. What is, you know, in the first touch, whether it's a call, a DM or an email offering up a piece of content and not asking for something, which is still yeah. what 80, 90% of people do in their cold outreach. Yeah. Um, why is that so effective? And what's an example of something like that? Well, I think it's effective one, because just as you said, 90% of people don't do it. So we see one of the biggest problems in sales, especially like outbound at the moment is just standing out from the crowd. Cause since the pandemic, everyone's using email automation, LinkedIn automation, and you know, C-level people are getting hundreds of messages a week. So one, it helps you stand out by being a big bit different. And then it's also like a little less transactional. It's like, I'm not just, I don't just want your money. I'm trying to be helpful, right? So I can give you an example. We have a sales playbook template, which is a service we actually offer for clients, right? We help write sales mm -hmm. playbooks for them. But what we're doing with this, like if I give you a, an example, we say, hey, notice you're hiring SDRs. Um, one of the things that can be difficult once you've hired SDRs is the onboarding process and how you're going to train them. We've got a sales playbook template that can that can help you do that. Would you be interested in seeing it, right? And again, that's just a, we send them our growth genie one that's got examples and then we send them a blank template. And again, if they say yes, that's something they can go away and use to onboard and train SDRs. But we know that realistically, they're not experts in building that. So we can give them that and then they're like, okay, we may have this template, but how are we actually going to write this thing? Um, so yeah, that's kind of a, an example we use and we we like to practice what we preach. But then if we're speaking to our clients as well as speaking to the sales team. We always speak to the marketing team and be like, what's the equivalent? What's something you can give away for free that's like a hook to get them in? Yeah. And, and, and I love that because like, okay, so if they did follow that guide to a team, they could probably maybe figure it out, right? Um, but probably not execute it at the level that it's needed to be successful. Um, we we've we do some we've done something similar where we just put on a three and a half you know three and a half hour masterclass of teaching people how to start and ha produce a seven figure podcast right and it's a seventy two page deck where you know if you followed the instructions to a T yes you could figure out how to do it but majority of people are not going to want to do it. You know, they'd yeah. rather spend their time doing something else. It's not something that they feel comfortable executing on. And they'd rather pay somebody who lives and breathes that stuff to do it. Yeah. What's, what's funny about that approach as well is sometimes when people will then like be like, oh, do you want to see how we can help you build the playbook template? And they're like, yeah, sure. And we've sent them the playbook template, but then they don't even read the template. And they're like, oh, we just liked your approach. We thought it was cool. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. All right. And so, um, and, 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 you know, something that you mentioned before we got started here is about a, a cadence or a sequence that's, you know, three times longer than your average sequence. I'd love to hear more about that. Why, what your reasoning is and, and kind of break it down. Yeah, sure. So it essentially comes down to a, a colleague of mine at Growth Genie who used to also work with me at CloudTask. Um, I decided to bring him over because essentially what I was seeing is this guy was like, he's called Lawrence Jackman. Feel free to connect with him on LinkedIn as well. He was like just... I would see him getting meetings at like absurd points in a sequence where like everyone else has given up, right? And it's like touch 25, like it could be email seven, call 15 or whatever it is. And I was just like, <clears throat> there's something to this because I see that people are giving up too easily. And then we, we actually started doing it with our clients at CloudTask as well. And essentially we noticed something, which is that you've got two groups of buyers, right? You've got people that know they've got a problem and within the first kind of, you know, five touches, I'll say, yes, this is interesting. Let's have a meeting. And then you've got other people that don't know they've got a problem, but they do have a problem. So you need to educate them about it. So actually with those people, you're kind of taking them through the story and they're actually converting between like touch 20 and, and touch 30. And when people say, oh, here we've got this 30 touch cadence, they're like, that's harassment, whatever. But kind of as I was explaining before, a lot of what we're doing is very thoughtful. So there is there is automated steps, but there's also personalized steps. Like the first step is also always personalized. There's always a video in there. There's always a voice note in there. So all the touches are, are very thought out. And then just from a data perspective, like I think the average open rate's gone down from 25% to 20% over the last five years. The average connect rate for a cold call is like 5%. People are picking up their phone a lot less. So just, you just need to do more touches to get through to people. And often people are just busy. That's the thing. Like I see with Lawrence, and I've seen with our clients when they're getting meetings after like touch 20, it's just like, oh, really sorry, I haven't got back to you. And then they either say, we're not interested because of this or they, or they take a meeting. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the logic behind those thirty touches. Yeah, and, and, and in most cases, in a lot of organizations, is what you'll see is okay. There's like an eight or ten touch sequence, right? And then if nothing happens within that sequence, there's a cool off period, and then they might even throw them right back into the same sequence or maybe a newer, you know, 2.0 version of that sequence after say thirty, sixty, or ninety days. Why not just do that? Um, because well, if you put well, if you put them in the same sequence again, you're just repeating the same messaging, <laughs> right? So that that that's one thing. And again, we we just we've seen conversion rates. Even like we practice what we preach. Um, I had a, I had a sequence that that I was running, and I think it was email seven. So the thirty touch t sequence. You're typically looking about seven or eight emails, seven or eight LinkedIn messages, and then you know like ten to fifteen calls. Um, and then I ran a sequence where it was like the very last email, email seven, which actually the thing we do is like a feedback email. When most people do a breakup email, they'll be like, oh, it sounds like it's not the right time. Can you introduce me to a colleague? We actually do a humble yeah. approach and say, look, it seems like the messaging is not resonating. Would you mind giving some feedback? Sometimes people just give feedback, which is great. We learn more about how we can improve, but sometimes they'll book a meeting. Anyway, this guy booked a meeting and now they're our top performing, they're our highest paying customer. Um, so yeah, we've got loads of examples like that where we've booked meetings, touch 20 to touch 30. 
And then, you know, they've ended up in revenue. So that would have been revenue that we would have missed if we were to have done like a a 10 touch cadence. Um, And then also the other thing to bear in mind is typically we do see higher conversion rates at the start. Like you're not going to get as high reply rates in the touch 20 to 30 is touch 0 to 10. But it's like, even if you get like that 5% reply rate at the end versus like 20% at the start, that 5% could be like a, a really high paying customer as was our case. So essentially, I just think you're leaving revenue on the table if you if you don't do those touches. Yeah, I mean, because if, if, if they haven't given you a good reason of why they're not interested, to just stop at that point, you're definitely leaving money on the table. And in a lot of cases, like the one that you just, uh, you know, shared, it's probably that they're just too darn busy. Like they ha- it's not that they're not interested. They just didn't take time to reply. You know, maybe they missed it. It wasn't a priority. They were focused on other things. And then eventually after seeing you 20 different times on th- across three to four channels, they're like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I should, you know, take a look at this. Um, but I, I, I want to dig into something that really kind of piqued my, uh, my interest is the humble approach of the feedback. Cause I just love that. Um, where people typically, oh, you know, please, you know, th- what the people are used to seeing, which used to be clever, you know, several, several years ago, please tell me where you stand, you know, one, two, three, and four, you know, Hey, I'm interested. Hey, I'm too busy. Please go away. I'm not interested, you know, sort of giving them an easy way to reply and let you know where they stand. Um, but asking for feedback because generally I want to break down like the psychology of that because people generally like helping people most people at least good people which i like to believe you know most people are good people but uh (laughs) so let's dig into that a little bit yeah i think it's literally exactly as you said um people like helping people and this is the feedback approach is something i think like account executives or people more at the bottom of the funnel tend to do they still don't do it enough but like if you lose a deal or whether you win a deal you know, ask your buyer, can you give me some feedback? Why did you buy or why didn't you buy, right? But people don't really do it from like an outbound perspective. So yeah, again, it it helps you stand out from the crowd. And yeah, generally people people are helpful. I don't do much cold calling. I still double a bit because we we train cold callers, but like my colleague Lawrence, he's like an old school sales guy, still loves cold calling. And I notice when he speaks to gatekeepers, he's always like, oh, I was wondering if you can help me out. Because like you said, people naturally like to be people. Normally people treat gatekeepers like pawns, right? They're just someone you want to get through to get to the decision maker whereas he's empowering them and saying look you're in control here and i was wondering if you can help me out that's essentially what he's saying there so yes that psychology of generally people like to help other people yeah yeah and okay and so what what does the messaging look like on you know those later touch points in a 30 step sequence versus you know what it looks like in the beginning stages yeah, so we've kind of got uh, the the interesting thing that we do with the content giveaway, and and this was something I changed a couple of years ago, um, is that we don't give them the piece of content. We say, would you be interested in seeing it? Because if we yes. give it to them, they can just click it and like go away with it. Um, so normally, we, we the first touch is we say, are you interested in it? If they don't reply, then we'll give it to them. Um, and then third kind of, you know, touches three to six. We're getting a little bit more into, you know, the, the what you do. But again, we're not saying, hey, we're a sales consulting company. We're going to get you loads more pipeline. We're saying these are some of the pains we're seeing. Like I said, that people are getting spam, for example. That can be a pain or that it's taking six months to ramp up an SDR. So we're talking a little bit more about pains. And then we're talking about how we've helped other similar companies solve them. And for me, every sequence... The most important part is before you've written the sequence, which is 
how narrow can you get your ideal customer profile? Because we've had very um, successful clients that we've worked with and they've been like, your training's great. The SDRs are doing great. But I listen to the SDRs are not even doing great calls or writing great emails, but they've really narrowed down their target audience by industry, by persona, and then what we call triggers. So a trigger event could be that they're hiring a particular position, they're new in their role, they're using a particular software. Um, so essentially, it's like an extra layer on top of the persona and the vertical that makes a company a good fit for that. So if you really get your ideal customer profile right at the start, it makes such a big difference for the sequence. Yeah, and are you using personalization or relevant, uh, like relevance or, or just one or the other, or a little bit of both? Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, a good question about personalization and, and relevance. Um, it can be a bit of both. I think because you're having a business conversation, right? I think the relevance is always the most important thing because you could say, hey, I noticed you went to university and X, Y, and Z. Or I could contact you and say, hey, I noticed you got this great sales cars podcast. But then yeah. if you go into some huge pitch that's nothing to do with podcasting, no one's going to care, right? So if yeah. you do personalization, it's got to have the business relevance to it. So yeah, as I said, our first email is always personalized and we're always saying what's the business relevance like how can you help this company or provide a piece of content that's relevant to the goals they're trying to achieve yeah yeah wow okay and so um i'm curious like what have you seen kind of change as you know the world has kind of changed the last couple of years with you know how I approach things i mean clearly you're not using I hope your you know family is all well and healthy and how is COVID treating you, which I, I don't understand why people are using that in messaging. But uh, I mean, somebody must be still rewarding that behavior and replying or else people wouldn't <laughs> be doing it. Um, but I mean, just generally, like how have, have you like, because a lot of people had to really rethink their sequences and their cadences and their messaging and how they're approaching things with, you know, all of the changes that have sort of happened over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think less automation. I think before, like in my cloud tiles days, we could run like fully automated email and even like we were doing LinkedIn automation and could get results. I think now people are getting so many more emails, so many more LinkedIn messages. I think your messaging needs to be a bit stronger than it used to be. And of course you can like, that's one of our tactics with automation is to create automated message that seems personalized. So for example, I can build a list of, you know, 300 companies hiring SDRs and I could say, hey, noticed you're hiring SDRs, right? But there's still yeah. more, there's, if you can do a more personal approach and look at the company's goals, that's always going to be better. So that's what I would say. Our, our sequences are probably like 50% personalization, 50% automation. Um, whereas before we were doing maybe like 10% personalization, 90% um, automation. And even back in the day, we'd do some campaigns which were 100% automation, which we wouldn't recommend, but we're just seeing those campaigns. It's more and more difficult now to get meetings out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so how would you suggest somebody, you know, who's trying to insert more personalization into their touches? Like what are some tools or hacks or things that they could do uh, to get more personalized in their outreach? Yeah. So we, we break, I was talking about trigger events earlier. So we, we talk about company yeah. triggers. So like I said, it could be they're hiring a particular position. Like I said, hiring SDRs is a good one for us. or they're using a particular software that you know about or a personal approach, like see if they're authoring any content on LinkedIn. Um, I think your colleague, as he called Edward, um, he had quite a good mm -hmm. approach with me before this podcast. And he said, 
he was talking a little bit about also your services and he said, Hey, I've, I've been reading your sales content on LinkedIn. I find it quite interesting. Have you thought about like doing a podcast to, to share it? Cause we don't have a podcast, right? But I post a lot on LinkedIn. So that's the type yeah. of thing, like seeing if they're posting content and then making a relevant transition into like what your services is or, or some piece of content. Because again, what you don't want to do is personalization for the sake of it, where you personalize one line and then go on a sales pitch because people aren't stupid. They can read through that. Oh. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Michael, it's been fantastic having you on today. Really uh, tons of value in this episode, tons of nuggets for people to pull away. Uh, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you or get into your world or what are you going to share with them? Yeah, sure. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you um, like put on LinkedIn, Michael Hansen Growth Genie, I'll come up. I pretty much connect with anyone as long as they don't send me like a huge pitch. And um, yeah, you can go on our website to learn a little bit more about us. It's growthgenie.co. Um, I couldn't get .com, so it's not .com, it's .co. Um, yeah, so those are probably the, the two best ways to get in touch. Awesome. We will drop those links in the show notes for everybody. Again, appreciate you coming on, Michael. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends, and we're always listening for your feedback. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free, salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.